0: And we are live! Welcome to Spiritpreneur School with Aviola Abrams. This is session number 12. And we're going to have a powerful conversation about how to get press and media from PR guru, Camille Dundas. But first, let me tell you about today's sponsor. This session of Spiritpreneur School is sponsored by the Become the Guru Bootcamp. What is the Become the Guru Bootcamp? Well, the name says it all. Become the Guru Bootcamp is a seven-week intensive specially designed to position you as a respected guru in your field. It's about you achieving guru status as a superstar influencer, in your niche so that you can increase your expert status, raise your profile, build your client and customer base, grow your community and tribe, get media coverage, and make a difference. You can find more information at sacredbusiness.com. Academy. That is Sacred Business Academy. And if you'd like to take advantage of our free training, Spirit Spiritpreneur Success Strategy, go to BombshellMyBusiness.com. BombshellMyBusiness.com. Well, let me tell you about today's. PR guru and superstar in her own right, Camille Dundas. She is a media expert, having worked as a news writer and producer for Toronto's major news programs, including CBC National, CP24 Breaking News, City TV News, and CTV's Canada AM. Camille's journalistic style is anchored by her mastery of and passion for storytelling, so it should come as no surprise that Camille is also an educator. She loves to share her knowledge of the media landscape and the unique lessons she has learned during the last 10 years that she has been working in the broadcast industry. A personal and professional milestone for Camille was meeting the late Nelson Mandela. We're gonna hopefully she'll tell us a little bit about that. And she is a media consultant at 404 Media Group, where she leads practical workshops that give clients critical insight into how the media works and how it can work for them. You can find more information at 404 MediaTraining.com. And she's also the editor-in-chief at online magazine by blacks.org. Calm. Welcome, Camille. Hi, hello from Toronto. Hello from from New York City, my fellow Caribbean sister. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to be with you. <laughs> so glad to have you. So that was the official bio. So now give us the real deal, the scoop. <laughs> Who is Ms. Camille Dundas? Oh, well. Abiola, what you see is what you get. So that bio is is completely accurate. Um, I've been working in TV news for about 10 years, m- mainly as a writer and a producer. So most of my experience comes from television. Um, I started media training after I realized that there was so much misinformation that people held about the media and how it works and I figured you know what if no one tells them how to pitch the media or how to talk to the media then how are they ever gonna know and our jobs are going to continue to be harder and harder so I like what I do because it helps the public but it also makes journalists our job much easier when people know what they're doing so my first client I just literally called them up and I said hey Here's what the media thinks of you. It's not too good. Do you want to change it? I can help you. And they're like, sure. So (laughs) I started from there. I just took a bold step forward and called people up and and said, hey, this is what I can do for you. And it grew from there. Uh, I met my husband and we merged our businesses. So we turned it into 404 Media Group, which is, he came with the marketing. I came with the media training. So we do both of those things together, Um, PR, media training, and web design. And then, uh, after a few years of being together, we dreamed up this other business called BuyBlacks.com, um, an online magazine, where we wanted to... We noticed there was a huge gap in terms of the media coverage. And any, any self-aware black person will notice this, that there's a huge gap in how, in how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves on TV or in the, in the, in the mainstream media. And we wanted to fill that gap with just regular... Black people doing awesome things. And we found that in the media, we're either exalted or we're down here. You know what I mean? So we, we're we like, you know, people like ourselves, people like our friends, people who we meet every day, people who we do business with, business with are starting amazing businesses. There's incredible artists out there um, creating beautiful content. We want to feature them. So anyone who's doing anything amazing and they're black in Canada, we feature them on our website. That is amazing. So much good stuff there, Camille. And there is even actually, before we get into your lessons of how people can get PR for their messages, missions and movements, you even have a lesson in how you got your first client, that that is a very teachable um, step, the way that you just call someone and you said, look, here are the things that are wrong. Here's how I can help you. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it was uh, it was interesting because it was all done over the phone, and um, I don't I I was I wasn't that young at the time. It was maybe how old was I? It was two thousand nine, so it was about six years ago. It was in my mid twenties, mm-hmm. and um, so I called them up and I and I told them who I was. I said, look, you know, um, it was a time when their organization um, was having a lot of interaction with the media, and. The conversations I was hearing from my peers was that they were always complaining about this particular organization. So I was very real with them, and I told them what the feedback was. I told them how they were being perceived. And I, and then they got me on a conference call with about eight other people, you know, bringing all the sort of big guns to evaluate what I had to say, et cetera, et cetera. And, and all this time, I had never, ever had a client before. They didn't know that. And, uh, you, had, you had been on the news already were you already broadcasting on the news oh yes yes no I've already been um, I've been a news writer for how many years already but the media training business I had just I just decided to start it like right then you know nice. so <laughs> as a That's side gone. business and then and so um, uh, I said to them look you know you can hire some old you know white guy who's been in the industry for, for 20 years because you know they're, they're out there, or you can hire someone who's working in the industry today and can put their finger on the pulse of what's happening in the newsroom. I can tell I am your direct link to what is happening in the newsroom and how you can figure out the best way to get the media attention in your favor. And I, I think that, that's what clinched them. So when I showed up to do their workshop, the guy, he went like this and he was like, Oh, you're so young. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay, and then I did their workshop, we did a three-hour workshop, and the feedback was amazing. They said they think that every single organization should have a workshop like this. Anyone who deals with the media should have a workshop like this. One of the main components I did was run them through mock interviews. So I set up um, sort of scenarios like the worst case scenario, best case scenario, and run-of-the-mill scenario and sort of, you know, ran them through the gamut of how reporters can trap you with their questions, how they can be misinformed, um, you know, and how, how basically to give them what they want, answer their questions in a way that they want, in those sound bites that they want, but still control your message, still control the conversation. Just because you're in an interview and they're asking the questions, it doesn't mean you're not in control. Yes, absolutely. And you said, uh, first of all, I want to just encourage our audience to ask questions. You can push the blue Q&A button. If you're listening live, you can push the blue Q&A button on the bottom of the video icon to ask your question. Now, Camille, you said something very powerful in the reasoning for you creating this business. You said Mm -hmm. that you you said you wanted to to deal with the misconceptions that yes. people have about the media and getting press. What are some of those misconceptions? Well, number one, the biggest misconception um, people have is that the media's purpose is to promote you. People always complain like, oh well, why aren't they covering you know my business? Why are they covering my charity? I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Great, fantastic. The media's job is not to promote you. The media's job is to tell a great story. So they're in the business of telling great stories you need to be in the business of selling a great story and that's really it excellent excellent well can you give us another example of a client that you have of course don't name names but a client that you had that thought that you know well i'm pitching this great idea that i have and this great thing and how you were able to turn it around into an actionable story well i act I have exact the examples won't be my clients because I don't take on clients like that okay (laughs) something else that we can talk about is what to do before you approach a PR professional like myself or a media consultant like myself Um, there are a lot there are certain things you have to have in place and so when I screen people I ask them a series of questions to ensure that they're actually media ready and if your story isn't media ready then I'm not going to take you on as a client. So, for example, if you you have a product or you have a book, for example, um, and okay, the book is finished. You need to have make sure you have your website up. All of your social media um, platforms need to be coordinated, need to be in sync with with your message, and then you have to have a viable story. and The the most important thing, especially with my female clients, and I guess this is most relevant to your audience, is that you have to be emotionally ready to tell your story to the public. And that is one of the biggest problems that I encounter with the clients, in that they want to have this media attention, but when I bring it down and say, okay, here's what we're going to talk about, here is the most interesting aspect of your story, they're like, no, 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 I can't talk about that, I can't talk about that. And that just shoots them in the foot because you're paying me all this money and then when I tell you, hey, this is the way, this is what you have to talk about and this is the way to get on TV, then you don't want to do it and you don't get the interviews that you expected. Mm. So being emotionally ready is like almost the number one thing. The number one thing. Because I, And the reason for that is because of what I said about stories. The media is interested in stories. They're not interested in, in your business. They're not interested particularly in your book unless it has some groundbreaking information. So you're not doing an interview to push your book or to push your company, to push your your crowdfunding campaign or your new business. You're you're actually ta- selling yourself. So we'd talk to Abiola about who she is and why she started this um, uh, um, bombshell, sacred bombshell TV. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the line during that interview, you would plug your your um your your product, and I'll show you how to do that subtly and then you get the the media attention the um attention to your brand through the interview but the media will never have you on just to talk about your product unless it's um a product specific type of show like say it's a tech show or something like that where their inter- where their their interest is, is solely on products then you come and talk about your product but in terms of mainstream media like Newspapers, um, morning shows, um, um, evening news shows, which is magazines where people want to get coverage, they're going for the story. So it has to be relevant. It has to to be powerful. It has to be unique. uh, And you have to be good at telling it. Excellent, excellent. Well, you have a question that came in. This one is from Marvin S. And he wants to know, how hard is it to get a story on the local news or a local station? Um, he has a a group that is a, a kind of a, a, without going into detail, like a healing arts, healing okay. Practitioner uh, sort of thing, so he's wanting to know, I guess, how hard it is, or, or in part, what he would need to do to get his story out. Okay. The, off the bat, it is very hard. It is very hard to get media attention, and that's because there are so many people trying to get it, and so little outlets to do it in terms of mainstream outlets, right? So. The reason why you have to focus on the stories because you have to give them something that they'll say, Oh yeah, my viewers will want to hear about that. So if you have a nonprofit, a healing arts organization, um, focus on one story that you can tell from your organization. And whether that means if it's you're working with kids, choose one kid that has an amazing compelling story that will make anybody want to um, not change the channel when that kid is talking. Make sure the kid is available to speak about his story, that he's allowed to speak about his story, that he wants to open up and speak about his story. And you kind of use him as the poster child for your organization and you will pitch his story to the media. You won't pitch my healing arts organization, named XXX. You're pitching this, the story of this kid and how your organization helped him, and that will lead to a bigger conversation. The second, the second um, point um, to consider is link whatever you're doing to a bigger conversation. So that means you have to sort of keep abreast of everything that's happening in the news, and be able to find a what we call a news hook. So a news hook is something that's already happened in the mainstream um, in the mainstream media news, and news organizations would like to have conversation longer conversations about these things. So they look for people like yourself who have a background. Let's say let's say there was a study that came out that showed that. Um, uh, children doing arts um, helps them sort of by 50% recover from um, child sexual abuse or um, helping um, uh, a juvenile delinquents, anything like that, right? So there was a so you'd use that study as the news hook, and when you do your pitch email to the media, you would say you would quote that study first, and then you would say my organization XY&Gun has done this, so-and-so is available to talk about how this actually works. So that when they introduce the segment, they can say, you know, 95% of children who do this, this, and this, or this trend um, is happening now, there's a trend of kids X Y and Z joining us now is um, Mr. So-and-so from so-and-so organization who does this every day. So that's how media talk about um, issues. They don't. They don't just random, randomly pick you to talk about your nonprofit. There has to be some relevance to the audience. Something that's happening that day or that week or whatever that they can hook it onto. So I'll give you an example. Uh, a totally different example, like a um, a fashion. Say a fashion designer, right? Say you're a fashion designer and you have a new line of clothing. You want to get onto a morning show where you can have a little, you know, mini fashion show on, say the, say the Today Show. Okay, let's take that as an example. You're not gonna just email them, be like, oh hey, I'm a designer, I have a new line, I want to be on the Today Show. Who cares? There's 10,000 designers who want to be on the Today Show, right? But if you can say, okay, I'm pitching a segment, uh, the top 10 ways to pick the best jeans, how to avoid the mom jeans. How to um, look your best in jeans this summer. Well, anything like that. You you get where I'm going with this, right? It has to have some type of theme, something that they can promote to their audience. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, how to find the best jeans, right? It won't be coming up in the next hour, hey, we've got this great new designer on. No. I love that, Camille. That is such valuable advice, such, such valuable advice. So when you, as a news professional, and you being on both sides of the plane, when people come to you and they pitch these stories, you said that, first of all, with your clients, you want them to be media ready. So what do you go when you look and you look at a media kit or you Mm -hmm. look at their website or what it is? What are you looking for? What are the do's and don'ts? What are the the worst things you've seen, the definitely (laughs) don't do's? Yeah. The first thing I would say to do is, um, if you already don't have a handle on your brand, then hire a branding professional before you come to a media professional. A lot of people sort of mix those two up. Um, I'm not a branding expert, and I refer people all the time to these wonderful people um, from Wedge 15 who are the most amazing branding experts I know in this city. And what they do is help you to sort of um, figure out, you know, what your brand looks like and merge all of your platforms so that they're consistent with each other. And Abiola, I'm sure as, an, uh, as a blogger, as an online person, you know how important your branding is. Okay. And the reason for that is for credibility. Now, when I pitch you to um, a media house and they go and Google you, it's got to be consistent with what I'm pitching, you know what I mean? So your website, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Google, your Google+, Plus, everything, they're going to be looking at all of that. And so all of that has to have the same level of professionalism and be consistent with the message that you're sending out. The other thing is to, again, just – well, Apart from being sort of your branding being ready, again, being ready to follow my lead, being ready to trust that what I'm telling you is for your own good, <laughs> is gonna be the thing that most likely gets you the media attention you want, and then not to just be media ready, but to be ready for what happens afterwards, for for the attention that you will get afterwards. Um, if you know you're, you're lucky enough to get a lot of mainstream media, you kind of have this, um, all this like immediate 15 minutes of fame. And it's a lot of attention coming at once. and so you have to be ready for that. You have to, you're, if it's something that you're selling, you have to be able to, to, um, to provide. If, if people start requesting stuff, you have to be able to have enough um, maybe help on hand to respond to all the social media hits. So it can be very overwhelming. But one of the main things I want to point out is that the the there's a big. What I really want people to know is that there's a massive difference between publicity and advertising slash marketing. And the reason why that's so such an important distinction is because I get so many. Um, potential clients who I speak to and I'm telling you if I had a dollar for every time someone said, okay, so I want my picture on the front page. I want to be on this news. I want to be on that news, blah, blah, blah. And my response is, well, you should take out an ad. You really should take out an ad because (laughs) that's the only way you're going to guarantee yourself um, uh, uh, coverage in mainstream media. Publicity does not, does not guarantee coverage in the media. But the reason why people want to do publicity versus advertising, and I stress you should do both. If you're launching something, do both. Invest in both of these areas, okay? The reason why pub- people like publicity is because as opposed to advertising, publicity is coming is sort of like a, a a review coming from a third person. And anyone who knows about sort of, you know, speaking to the public or or marketing your message is that Getting a review from a third person is always better than it coming from yourself. Now when people see your paid advertising in the newspaper, sure it might work, but they know it's coming from you. You're going to say good things about yourself. But your credibility level just skyrockets when you can say you've been interviewed on XYZ show, when you can say you've had an article done on you in XY magazine and newspaper. So you put that on your website after it's done and your credibility just, as I said, skyrockets. So that's why it's valuable. But it is an investment in your brand. It's not something where you can always see immediate results. And it's never guaranteed. So that's why it's a, it's a little bit tricky. So Camille, if someone is watching this and they can't afford, you know, to hire a PR firm, and they say, "Okay, well, I've, I've followed what Camille said. I my my site looks good. My branding is in alignment. I have a media kit, and we still have to go through and and get what those pieces are." Yeah. But then, how do they contact people? Who do they contact? You know, yeah. what is the amount of times that they should contact and? Yeah. Yeah, these people that are on deadline all the time. You know, so that's that's the main reason why people end up hiring me is because they realize they don't have the time or the patience <laughs> to find these people, and I I have all these people. So either they're my friends or I have them as contacts in in my in my contact in my address book, right? Because I've taken the time over the years to cultivate relationships with them, and that's why it's uh, um it's beneficial to ha- to hire a PR person. But if you want to do the legwork yourself, it's really mainly. A, a bunch of of calling and lo- searching online especially on Twitter most producers are on Twitter so you need to go and find that find them and tweet them but don't pitch them cold don't pitch them directly So if you you need to follow what they're doing and show them that you know what they're doing so if they will probably, um, be tweeting stuff about segments that they produce and say, hey, I saw this segment on X, Y, and Z. That was really cool. Um, I really loved what you you know, did with X, Y, and Z. And then maybe they respond saying, hey, thanks. And then you say, hey, I'm a big fan of the show. And then a couple weeks later, you tell them, hey, I'm doing have this great story for you. I'm doing this, this, and this. And they may remember you. But don't just pitch them right, pitch them cold. Try to foster some type of online relationship with them. And they love to be flattered. People in the media journals, they love to for people to say, hey, I love what you did. Because we work so hard at it, and we never get any sort of praise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, walking into a party. If you walked into a party and said, hey, buy my stuff, people would be yeah. like, who, who is that? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, if you, now, if you are emailing people, um, so you email them once, and to be honest with you, if media if a media person is interested, they will probably respond right away. Um, we're all Type A's, so <laughs> we're very uh, we're we're working overtime. So if we love something, we'll jump on it. And if they don't respond to you in 24, 48 hours, they're probably not interested. So don't take it personal. Don't you know? Call. You can do one follow-up call, but don't do several. Instead, try to pitch it in a different way. Think of a different angle or wait for that news hook that I mentioned earlier that will come up that you can sort of link your story to. That's great advice. Thank you so much for answering that. We have another question for you, Camille. Um, So Stacey R. wants to know, she has a green makeup line with organic ingredients. How would she get out there? And what is the difference between Indie Media and Mainstream Media. So this would be Indie Media that we're doing here. Absolutely. Um, And I love Indie Media and it's one of the the points I talk about in my workshops. Um, One of the first things I tell people is to never ever turn down um, Indie Media. And the difference between Indie indie Media and Mainstream Media is very simple. Indie Media um, uh, our bloggers, what we're doing right now, um, vloggers, um, small online magazines, um, community newspapers, um, often trade magazines as well, um, uh, community um, radio and TV, etc. Mainstream is your, you know, your CNNs, your um, NBC, uh, ABC, etc. Um, Essence magazine, um, you know, ma- you know, mainstream magazines. So the reason why. Indie media is actually so important, and when people are first starting out, that's where I tell them to start. Most people, my clients, they come to me because they want mainstream media, so that's who I deal with. But in the workshop, I I deliver public workshops, so just to educate people about uh, the whole business. And for people who are just starting out, I would tell you to start with what's closest to you. So start with your community newspaper, your community, um, um, any, any online magazine that has to, that is relevant to your uh, your industry. So say um, the woman who's asking about her green makeup line. Any beauty bloggers um, you want to you want to talk to them. And the reason why you want them to cover you is because mainstream media people like myself, when I'm looking for stories, I will look in indie media. Because I'm looking for that little story that no one has maybe heard about, that up-and-coming, you know, green makeup that might be the next big thing. And I want something that n- my, my competitors haven't heard about. So I will have my hands in all of these, like, smaller media outlets, scanning them constantly every day, looking for something that has potential. So it's very valuable for you to get yourself out there in the community media. Do not ever turn down a, a, a media request from a small media house.
1: I, do as many
0: as you can. Camille, I literally have had people from past series that I've done, book. CNN has booked people directly after yeah. seeing them seeing me do interviews yeah. with them. Amazing. Exactly, yeah because what we're looking for is voices, right? We're looking for voices and it's hard for us to just you know look out and find someone on a particular topic. Like say for example and just to, to give, um, sorry what's the woman's name who's asking the question? Stacy, I think it was. Stacy, just to give Stacy um a few a little tip, um you know if when this this news hook comes up, say um sort of a, like some some shocking thing has come out about some shocking facts about makeup. Um, uh, Animal testing, it could be an animal testing controversy. Exactly, about harmful um, ingredients in makeup. Those things come out every once in a while, right? And we want to talk to someone who has an alternative. It's hard for us to find that person within a few hours because sometimes the turnaround is literally a few hours for for the producers to find someone to book on the show to talk about this, right? So if I know, if I, oh, I remember I I saw that um, podcast with that woman who was talking about eco-friendly green makeup. Let me find her. They can go to Abiola's website, and they can pull up that podcast. They can see how you speak. They can see that you're already TV ready because you've done some online video. It's pretty much the same as TV. So they have already know you're a great talker. They're going to book you like this. So it's important to, 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 um, to do stuff like this because it, it really is a, a huge stepping stone. It really is, and like you, Camille, I have you know most of my friends work in the media, and the mm-hmm. number one way that they find people is Google. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. Make sure that you're googlable, and that all your ads yes. are in a row. That they literally are googling. Exactly, you know, exactly. Makeup and, and that you keep up with these quote-unquote news hooks, right? So if you are uh, in the in the makeup business, you got to make it your business to know what all the news um uh angles are about your business right so you need to have google alerts on if you don't hire a professional like me who does it for you then do it yourself have the alerts on so you know what's being said about your industry so that the, and the other way to do it is to be proactive instead of them finding you if you know today this story has come out you would then email or call one of the um, producers at CNN and say, hey, I'm available to talk about this. I know this story is out today. I can talk about this, 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 and this. Here's what I have to say. And you give them a summary of your points. You're like, great, fantastic, they book you. Now when you say call, do you mean literally on the phone or by email? Well, most times, most calling is so dead, I guess, but emailing um, and tweeting them um, is the number one way that we field um, guests. Yeah. Okay. Now you have a question from. What's that? Except on your last word. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have a question from Janelle. She wants to know. She says, "I'm an aspiring PR professional. How do you get clients?" Hmm. (laughs) Okay. Wants to talk about as an entrepreneur. Yes. 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 Oh, most of my clients have. Uh, besides when I first started as I mentioned in the beginning, I literally called someone up and said, hey here's what I can do for you so you can take that bold approach, it worked for me I hope it works for you too look at the type of people you want to work with see where your strengths are I know that my strength is in television so I I approach people or take people, the type of clients who are interested mainly in getting TV coverage Um, so know your strengths number one. So look for the type of clients that want the service that you focus on. And don't be afraid to focus on one type of thing. I've found that clients trust uh, people more who are specialized in one type of thing, as opposed to saying, hey, I can get you media coverage, you know, internationally, I can get you media coverage in in this, this, and this, whatever. Um, Focus on what you're good at. Um, and then network. You gotta go out and network. I, in, in, I don't have to do so much networking now, but in the beginning, I went to every single event that was happening in the city, um, any business event, any social event, women's events. Um, I would go and speak places, uh, take up any any kind of you know um, speaking gig someone wants you to do. Any opportunity you get to talk about what you do, grab it. Anything. Um, so get yourself in front of any type of group as as much as you can. Good advice. Well, since we are talking about you as an entrepreneur, I would love to talk to you about you being an entrepreneur, a mother, and yeah. also, you know, having a day job, a night job, a side job. You're a true Jamaican nigga. come here. I know, it's, it's no coincidence i married to a Jamaican. It probably rubbed off on me, right? Yes, totally um, rubbed off on you. So how do you balance it all as a mom, having your own business, which is a baby by itself, yes. And yes. then, you know, everything else. Yeah. Well, let's say what a day looks like for me is I wake up at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I start work at 3 a.m. So I go to my uh, my, my job at, at CTV from 3 to about 11. And then I come home and then I try to connect with my husband and my son for a little bit. And then he goes off to school or he stays home with me depending on the day. I try to sleep for about, you know, two hours and then i get up and work on the the other two businesses that we have so i you know everyone asks me the same question like how do you do all of that and i i honestly i just think that i just it's because i'm doing what i love i just can't stop so i never kind of see my my day like i never you know think okay well, how am I going to balance, you know, being a mom today? And how am I going to, you know, it never crosses my mind. You kind of just do it, you know? Um, And it gets, it does get really hard sometimes because um, especially leaving for work so early in the morning, it it worked out fine when my son was, was really young because he had no idea, but now he's turning four. So now he kind of gets it that I'm leaving in the middle of the night and, you know, had a situation where he happened to wake up while I was leaving and then you know burst into tears like mommy don't leave me but you know that thing and you're like oh gosh you know every instinct is telling you as a mom you're not supposed to be leaving your kid at 3 o'clock in the morning you're supposed to be there with them right and you know that when that happened I literally cried myself to, to work I was in the car driving to work and I felt horrible you know but I had to sort of think about okay what am I doing this for um, what is he going to learn from this? What am I going to learn from this? And change my perspective. I'm like, you know what? My, my job right now, it works. I make it work for me because when I come home, I'm able to spend a lot more time with him than I would if I was coming home at five o'clock and he's going to bed at seven, right? Most nine to five moms, that's the situation they face, but I actually have more time with him if I really think about it. And then for him, he gets to see what an ambitious woman looks like, and sometimes that means sacrifices. And I and I hope and pray that when he's older, he'll be able to appreciate and respect me for that. Respect me, um, Respect knowing that yes, I love him, but there's things mommy wants to do too, and he can see what you know what that looks like in a woman. And it's important for me for him to see that. So I always try to see the bigger picture when I have those difficult moments. That I guess that's how I really balance everything by seeing the bigger picture. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And what I hear in your personal story and your professional story is a lot of choice, a lot mm-hmm. of you making very clear decisions about what is appropriate and what works for you and your life. Even when we were talking about clients in the mm-hmm. beginning, when I said, How about this kind of client? You said, I don't take those kinds yeah. of clients. A lot <laughs> yeah. of entrepreneurs don't realize that you choose your clients just as yes. much as they choose you. It's not just taking yeah. whoever comes through the door. Can you speak a little bit about well, I will say. I definitely learned that the hard way, as many entrepreneurs probably did. Um, I definitely learned it the hard way because in the beginning, you do want to take on any client and you will um, because that, you know, if you don't know better, um, that's how you're going to operate. But what you'll quickly realize is that you're operating from, you're actually devaluing yourself and you're operating from a place of lack. And once you're operating from from a place of lack, you're not going to attract the type of client that is going to fill you up. So once you're operating from a place where, yeah, I'll do anything, I'll take anybody, I can do this, I can do that, it's, it's, it's never going to work out for you. So what ended up happening is that I would take on those type of clients, and then it, the project wouldn't go where, where I knew it could go. Um, it wouldn't fail, but it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be happy, I wouldn't be happy. And that only damages your brand. You know what I mean? So you have to be very specific about the type of clients. I, I literally will not take on a client who I don't think that I can that I would pitch them even if they weren't my client. That's how I evaluate a client. Because in my job, I pitch people all the time. Like I pitch stories all the time, right? It's part of my job. So those people um, aren't paying me. I just look for interesting stories and I pitch them. And so I put myself in that in that mode and I say, if you weren't my client, would I pitch you? And if it's yes, then I then I'll take you on. If it's no, then I won't. That makes a lot of sense. That I have a friend who is a PR professional, and one of her biggest complaints she says is uh, she says clients with unrealistic expectations, <laughs> yes. or she says that you know that they have that they're like, well, why didn't you get me on the Today Show in, Oprah. in, in or Oprah <laughs> or or whatever it is? And she also says that you know they have a they take the rejection personally they feel like there's a profound sense of rejection how do you talk to clients about these these things mm. yeah um i i sort of help them to see themselves as a product see yourself as this brand with a story you know what i mean and maybe to have a little bit of separation between your personal self and the self that you're pitching to the media and that can be tricky because we want you to pitch your authentic self but realize that The media, we're just in it for the story. And I know it may sound harsh, but we really don't care about you as a person. We just care about what you have to say and if it can be great to our viewers. And once you kind of accept that, accept that harsh reality that, you know, it's not about you, they're not in this to help you, they're not in this to help you grow your brand or your business, they don't care about that, they're literally in it for what they can get. And so you have to be able to give them what they want and make it work for you. So once you kind of steel yourself against that, then you will stop taking um you know the rejections so 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 personally and most times the rejections are just silence and that's kind of that's kind of the hardest part about it is that you sometimes you, you don't know why and that's why it's uh, helpful to hire someone like myself because I can follow up with them. Since I have personal relationships, there are times when I will follow up and say, hey, what didn't work about that story? Let, let me know. Or And I can give you that inside track and let you know, hey, this is what happened. And sometimes it's not that they didn't like the story. I've had pitches where they liked it and it fell off because something more important came up. Or um, there's, uh, there's also uh, a, a business side to it. Um, there was, for example, I'm trying to this without giving the the, the details <laughs> away. Um, see, most shows, for example, they have uh, experts, right? Like if you look at the Today Show, they'll have their own in-house experts, like a lifestyle expert, a um, a health expert that they bring on, and sometimes they're on a payroll, right? And if you pitch something that's a great story, but it falls under their Expertise, The conflict of, yeah. Conflict. Exactly. Then yeah. the show won't be able to bring you on because you're kind of competing with them. Right. So the average person doesn't know that. And, you know, so those are the kind of things I can help people to understand because I, I, I know what's happening. And they may have just done five makeup stories exactly. in the past month, and so maybe now they can't do it. And their mm-hmm. silence is not so much rejection as it yeah. as in, oh, okay, let's file. You know, in four months, maybe yeah. we'll call her for something else, exactly. or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. we have a comment. She Karen D says this is not a question per se, but a statement. Perception and attitude is everything. Thank you for sharing a part of your personal journey, Camille. And then she makes sure to re-sign it, actually, with her full name. She wants her full name read. Karen yeah. Donnier. Thank you so much. Yeah, perception is everything. That is true, um, With especially with the media. Um, but what you have to be uh, careful about is making sure that you um, sort of uh, walk the walk. So perception, you know, you can have... I've had situations, sort of not on the PR side, on the media side, right, where I see a story and this person's branding looks great, it looks awesome, so my perception is, yeah, they would be a great guest. And then when I sort of strip away the layers and I kind of look back, I'm like, hmm, then you start getting concerned because the, the, the content is kind of empty, right? It doesn't have that, they don't have that strong opinion or um, a strong story to tell. And you start realizing that when you pre interview them. That's something we should talk about. This is kind of how it works. The steps to getting on TV yes, is let's talk about it. Yeah, you get pitched or you pitch yourself, they like the story. They'll call you up and say, hey, we like what you have to say. We'd like to book you on the show. Can we do a pre-interview with you? And a pre-interview happens over the phone where one of the producers will talk to you for about half an hour, an hour, and they will sort of go through the questions that will likely be asked during the interview. And they are doing that pre-interview to get information out of you to ensure that you are the right guest for the topic. Or Skype. I've done, some people have pre-interviewed. Yes, yes, or Skype. Correct, exactly, or Skype. And they want to see what it is that you have to say because they don't want to put you on TV before they know what it is you're going to say. So you have to realize that everything in television is completely constructed. It's it's made to look like this spontaneous conversation, but it's absolutely not. It's all produced. It's all After they do the pre-interview with you, if they like you, they will write out an intro for the host. They'll write out questions to for the host to ask you. And they will write up what's called a little research pack, which is all of the answers that you've already given them the host will read those answers. So they already know what you're going to say before they even ask you the questions. Okay? So during that pre-interview is where a lot of guests get dropped because, like I said, the person, their running looks great, they're awesome, whatever. Then I start talking to them and their opinions are weak or they're not really as informed as they make themselves out to be. And I go back to the producer and I say, sorry, this is not the right guest. And we start over again and we we start looking for somebody else. So it's so important. Let me just let me just interject and just say I'm really glad that you brought this up because I hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, that they think that somehow they've gotta conserve their energy or conserve uh, their juice. No. Or the T V thing and I gotta bring it too, that if a producer, a different producer or somebody happens to call you in between to find out something and now you suddenly sound dull or lack of energy or whatever, they are gonna go back and convey that. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And the flip side, um, often what happens to us is that someone sounds great on the phone or great during that Skype interview and then you come on the program and you scale it all back. We're like, what happened? Like, you know, they suddenly, a lot of people get scared, especially when it's a controversial topic and you give all these strong opinions during the interview. We're like, yes, yes, this person is going to be great. And they come on and they say, well actually I really think that blah blah and we're like what what are you doing you're killing me and you don't understand how much that hurts us in this in the meeting afterwards because you know the the executive producer is like well what the hell that was crap you know and you're like ah sorry like you can't you you can't even say anything because you know you can't control what the person says on air so be consistent no do not hold back in the pre-interview do not hold back in the actual interview for television what we're looking for is personalities So the way to get invited back on television and they will, if you're great, they will use you again. I can tell you 100% just because it's easy for us, okay? And when we find someone who's great, we're going to use them as much as we can. And it could turn into a regular gig for you. Who knows, right? And you could become a regular commentator. Um, I've had I've had that happen to friends of mine who I've recommended to come on our show. Um, one of one of my one of one example is um, her name is Amrita Singh. You could Google her, and she is um, she calls herself a frugalista. So her specialty is finding things around the house um, that are cheap and things that you just have, and she makes them into these beautiful, awesome things. So she does all these hacks, like you know how to make your own perfume, how to make your own this, that, whatever, you know. And um, so she just. I messaged me one day and said, hey, we actually used to work together at a different station. She left her job. She started this website, started this business. And I was like, this is so cool because she had these amazing slick videos. She had like her her branding was off the chain. I loved it. I'm like, this is great. So she, she came on. She did the first segment. And she's so bubbly and so just so easy to watch and just so... Um, easy to understand and, and you know she had these great tips and the props and everything were, were fantastic and she is now a regular contributor on the show it, that turned into a huge gig for her just out of me just saying hey this is my friend and, and she's great at what she does it was just a one-time thing they loved her she told me that she, the first time she was on she saw her website traffic increase by like 500 percent like some crazy number yes. and it just keeps going up and up every time she's on the show because it's a national show so it can really be lucrative if you yeah, were it, all of yeah, all of the shows where I've been a regular contributor that it happened exactly as that, that you yeah. know, that I came on for a one time appearance yeah. or a one time slot. And as you said, that it's easy which is a a word that producers like, that they use that with me a lot because they can just, you know, bring the person in. They don't have to worry. It's a, you know, already pre-vetted situation. So what is the the biggest, the one biggest takeaway that you want to leave people with who want to get media for their message, their mission, their movement, whatever they are doing? Sorry, Abigail, you just cut out a little bit. Can you say that question again? Sure. I was saying I was asking, what is the biggest takeaway that you mm-hmm. think that people need to know? We know now you, you told us, you know, to make sure to to restory ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that you said that people should be media ready. Mm-hmm. If they can, they should hire a professional. Yeah. And they should have their story together thinking in terms of, you know, media hooks. Mm-hmm. What else do you think that people need to know if they are wanting to get attention for what they are doing? Um, that's pretty comprehensive, but, but <laughs> the only thing we, we, we haven't um touched on is, um, appearance and people, people think that, you know, that's, it's a little bit vain to think about that or whatever, but it's actually cool. really, it's so important, um, to think about if you do get, um, an interview, like what to wear and what not to wear and ha- a lot of people overdo it. So I would say whatever you're thinking of doing, just scale it back by like 20%. Okay. I so. totally overdid big time from the <laughs> beginning. And they and they will tell you, you know, yeah. that producers are very blunt. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I became yeah. very Caribbean and all my flair yeah. and everything <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I would say, you know, be as detailed as. If you can check out the set of where you're going to be interviewed like either through pictures or whatever look at the set and make sure the colors you're wearing don't clash with the set like on our show it's a very colorful set the, the, the chairs where you sit on there's very um there's a lot of patterns on the on the couch and on the uh, on the seat on the uh, cushions so if you're wearing a pattern dress or a pattern shirt it completely clashes it's really best to stick with solid colors and stick with um, colors that you can see in nature. So you know, um, oranges, yellows, reds, blues, um, things that that complement your skin tone. If they do makeup, for sure accept it. Let them let them do your makeup. If not, less is more. Um, if you want to go for, for one bold color, like one bold lip, but not the eye, you know, the usual rules. And the, the earrings and the, um, any accessories, nothing too bold at all. Nothing like dangles either. Exactly. Because your microphone, if you have a necklace that, that, uh, that moves around, it'll hit the microphone. It'll cause um, audio distortion. That's annoying for people. Um, and the other thing is attitude. When you, when you get there, Treat every single person from the security at the front door to the host that you meet with the utmost respect, happiness, and, um, and be pleasant. The makeup person, the person who greets you, because we all meet after the show and talk about you, right? We have like a, a little um, powwow every, every morning, and, we, and every time a guest is rude, it comes up. Somebody will talk about it. They'll say, you know what? Yeah, they were great, but they're really rude. And they will literally get crossed off. They'll be like, okay, we're not booking him again. Just like that. Okay? So it's so, so important not to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm on TV. I'm a big star. Where's my water? Where's my this? And people do that stuff. People do that. People who have never been on TV they suddenly feel like they are Beyonce, you know, and they're ordering people around, and it's so terrible. Um, so we actually do not... Invite people back who we don't like. I had, yeah. Because you can, exactly. Then I had, I, will not mention the network here, but I interned um, when I was in college at a TV network um, for a news news network, and news show. And this person in the interview was really rude to everyone, including someone that they encountered in the hall that they didn't realize was the editor. This ah. is an really edited show. And they usually edit out people's uhs and ums and scratching <laughs> their nose. They left all of those things in <laughs> on purpose to make the person look like the jerk that they were being. So yeah, absolutely. And I want to add to that, you know, being talent and being on the other side. As Camille said, that everything, it looks spontaneous, but it's Mm -hmm. all even when, you know, if I when I come on talk shows and I give advice, for example, Mm -hmm. And it it feels spontaneous because it's in the heat of the show and everything. I've yep. already received the packet two days before and read it through mm-hmm. and planned the advice. So I would say, if you are going to be talent, practice, rehearse, put on a camera, put on a camera, rehearse, yeah. put on your outfit, and mm-hmm. have someone take photos and see how it looks when you are sitting yeah. down. Yeah, it might might feel silly, but it's not. It'll go a long way. I know it feels silly to do it, but speaking in complete thoughts and complete sentences is the best thing you can do for yourself because it actually helps you to get more coverage because when you're able to speak in a complete sentence that can be clipped, Another affiliate organization, another affiliate news organization of that, like CNN, for example, they have affiliates, so lo- other local stations who are looking for stories too, and if they they'll look at what you have to say and they can clip you and put you into their report. Now, so if you are giving great sound bites then they can easily take that clip, that 20 second or 15 second clip that you gave about this great point and slip it into their uh, bigger report that they're doing. But if you're long winded, you probably won't be able to get that. So it gets you more media coverage when you're able to speak in sound bites. So practice, and and this is from beginning to end, even from, from pitching to actually speaking, be able to pitch in these sort of short practical segments. Think about how they're going to promote it. Like I was saying before, like. How to how to how to avoid the mom jeans or the the top five um, um, best jeans for the summer? Uh, They love lists, right? Like we love lists in the media because we only have four minutes for each segment or five minutes or whatever. We love to be able to run through the top three things you can do, etc., etc. And you even find this online too, like on LinkedIn. The most um, the most popular articles are the ones that have these sort of top ten, this top five, this. Those are the things that people tend to click on the most, right? Because There's something about it. Subconsciously that makes you think it's gonna be brief and you're gonna get this great advice from this short, quick, and 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 easy to digest. I call it easy digestibles, right? Um, so so when you pitch it, pitch it like that. Then when you deliver it, deliver it like that. Say, hey, okay, you're ready. My top, my top, my number one advice for people who wanna do X, Y, and Z is X, Y, and Z. And then you run through it during the interview and they're like, She was awesome. She was together. She didn't have you don't have to like stop and think, you know, you just sort of give the information and it's it's more powerful that way. Because people believe you, believe you that you know what you're talking about. You're more credible. Camille, this was such a valuable hour. Thank you. I just have one more question for you. And this is actually a personal yes. question. Because my tribe is called the Sacred Bombshell Tribe. The yes. Sacred Bombshell Tribe and Sacred Bombshell we define as a woman who loves, honors, and cherishes herself mm-hmm. in mind, body, mm-hmm. and spirit. And mm-hmm. so... How did you learn to have this great self-worth that we see in front of you? And what is it that makes you a sacred bombshell in your own life? Oh, man. I wish you gave more time for that question, but I'll try to summarize it. Um, But I will preface it by saying that it it has been a journey. And I haven't always been, um, I haven't always felt like my myself, like I haven't always felt valuable. I haven't always felt worthy. And it was a journey of accepting myself first um, on the outside, what my natural self looked like. Um, it's lots of time spent looking at myself and just loving myself. Um, it's a journey of letting go of um, artificial, material things. Um, Going natural was a big part of it for me. I won't lie, (laughs) it was a huge transformation which coincided with uh, meeting my amazing husband who was the number one, who was the anchor for me during that journey, um, who pushed me to to realize that you're amazing and beautiful just as you are. And it was great, not everyone is able to have that during their journey, but I'm grateful that I had him there during that time pushing me. because you realize that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crutch that you use when, to, to make yourself feel good about yourself. And when you realize that that's completely weightless, um, you have to let that go. When I started realizing that, I actually was telling myself, if I don't have 24-inch Fuji hair, <laughs> then <laughs> I'm not pretty. Yes. I realized how crazy that was, how insane a concept that was. That I wouldn't leave my house if I didn't have this type of look, if I didn't have this type of makeup. And I'm like, that's that's insane. And it was literally just a lot of um, self-reflection that made me realize you you can't live life like that. It's it's you you won't ever grow. You won't ever get to your your true your true self. And I wanted to get to my true self. And it was so so freeing. I can tell for any woman who is on the cusp of that, if you're afraid to take that final step, you won't imagine, you can't imagine how free you will feel that day when you let go of all of those things. Yes, oh my gosh, you just literally, you're bringing tears to my eyes. because <laughs> I felt like for, because I, I work in television as talent a lot, and I literally thought I would be unemployable. Yeah, no one would book me. I'm yeah. going to start crying. I thought, you know, <laughs> and, and so for a long time, I still was wearing wigs yeah. over my hair. Yeah. Because I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, if I show up with my hair, like they're never going to call me again for this show. They're never going to, you know. And then it becomes, like you said, a moment where it's like, OK, my, I, I, my literal personhood is at mm-hmm. stake here of me just yeah. stepping into being myself. And yeah. the thing who I am. And it's multiplied, Camille, because not only are you a mom, but you're also in the media. And so we get to look yes. at your beautiful brown face. And so there are little girls who look at you yes. and say, wow, OK. She looks like yes. me, mommy. She has hair like me. So yeah, know, exactly. that means yeah. something. That means something. So thank you. So you're tell welcome. people who are interested in your media company and BuyBlacks.com how they can uh, become involved in your work. Yeah, well, definitely, we publish on uh, different articles on the website um, every uh, every day or every couple of days. So just um, keep. Go to the site byblacks.com, B-Y-B-L-A-C-K-S.com and sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Twitter at byblacks, Blacks. And with 44 Media Group, again, follow us on Twitter, sign up for our newsletter. We're starting our media training workshops again in September. And this time we'll be adding virtual workshops so all of our friends across the world can sign up and get all this information. Um, so I'm really excited to welcome a bunch of international people to our workshops. Um, so we'll be starting that in September. Um, so, uh, I would love to connect with all of you. I'm a Facebook fiend, so connect with me on Facebook and LinkedIn is a a great way to connect with me as well. Um, and Twitter. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for this incredible conversation. Thank you for being so generous You're with welcome. all of your knowledge and your information, my sister. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Abuela. <laughs> Go out there, everybody, and get what's yours. Feel the yes. fear and do it anyway. That's my motto. Feel the, Feel fear, the fear and do it, and do it anyway. anyway. Absolutely. And if you are watching this and you want to take yourself and your business to the next level, then you definitely want to join my Become the Guru Boot Camp. You can find that information at sacredbusiness.academy and you can begin your free training at bombshellmybusiness.com bombshellmybusiness.com thank you so much for joining us dream bigger love yourself bye